What's going on, entrepreneurs, side hustlers, and small business owners everywhere looking to join the Seven Figures Club, the five to seven percent of business owners that make a million dollars a year in their business. We've got a fantastic guest for you today. We've got the fantastic Lisa Levy, and she is an author of Future Proofing Cube, and she also founded L Cube Consulting, which is a management consulting firm that focuses on aligning uh, entrepreneurs, people, processes, and technology. Her secret sauce to success is leveraging key elements of project management, which there's always a project going on if you're an entrepreneur, process performance management, important to get those processes dialed in, internal controls, and organizational change management to build teams with the skills and capabilities to drive strategic results without you doing all the work, actually working on the business instead of always in it. Lisa is going to teach us uh, how to focus and really dial in, uh, get through three key challenges that we all have as entrepreneurs. Number one being clarity, number two enablement, number three performance. And I'm sure we'll have uh, even more topics to get into, but Lisa, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Leo, thank you so much for having me here today. Excited to have you. Lisa, we'd love to kind of find out more about the background of our guests to begin every show in terms of what were some of the key events throughout your life that led you towards entrepreneurship and pursuing that life with risks and so many rewards that come with entrepreneurship. What were some of those key events that led you to this path? All right, Leo, let me take you on a little bit of a journey. We're going to go back in time. And we, my parents- We like journeys. We like journeys. My parents were entrepreneurs. My dad was a real estate developer and my mom was the general contractor that supported that business. And we uh-huh. had some great years and we had some really awful years. And I grew up going, oh my God, I never, ever, ever want to live like this. I want to work for a corporation. I want vacation time. I want, I want a 401k. I want a retirement. And so I did. I went down that, I went down that path and I got the jobs that I was looking for. And it was, I don't know, um, 2003, 2004. I was in my mid thirties and I was taking the, the step into the startup world. And it was supposed to be the best experience of my career. I was hired to mature the business, to put in place project management so they could be more effective and we could do things faster, time, faster time to market, bigger results, bigger impact. And in 18 months, I reported to seven different C-level executives. It had nothing that resembled anything like security and was absolutely horrified every morning when I had to get up and get in my car and drive to work. I wanted out. And I realized that the only way I was going to feel the sense of control that I think I had always been looking for was to do it for myself. And I decided to build my own roller coaster. So as an entrepreneur, right, it is not predictable. What's going to happen is always a little bit uncertain, but 
if you think of it as a roller coaster ride, right, when you take that big drop down and your stomach is sort of in the back of your throat, you know that it's going to get better and that it is actually supposed to be fun and you can sit back into it. So that's how I entered into the entrepreneurial space 14 years ago. Mm. And there have been twists, there have been turns, there have been loop-de-loops that have left me feeling slightly nauseous, but it's worth it. So for you, it was kind of being able to control your own destiny and make your own decisions. And I'll, one of the adages I've always bought into is I'd rather work 80 hours a week for myself versus 40 hours a week for someone else building their dreams when I could be building my own. It sounds like that and that control. And it's interesting. I think there's two types of entrepreneurs out there. There's those that, you know, from very young, they were out there, you know, buying and selling baseball cards or going door to door, the lemonade stand. And, and they just kind of had that entrepreneurial DNA at a very young age. And then the, the other half maybe went down the traditional path like you did, which is actually what I did too. And then at some point you realized, wait, there, there's not as much control and security as I thought working for that big corporation and being, you know, on, you know, running that corporate ladder game, there's actually a lot more opportunity when you have control. And so what led you to start this first business and what was kind of the product or service that you felt was going to give your clients results? And as you launched that, what changed? So, I had been in and out of large companies. The last one was a startup, but even that was at a point where it was well-funded. And yeah. I learned through my career, my formal training is in project management and built project teams over the years. And most projects fail. And that's really frustrating because we're really good at executing. But what happens is we lose track of what did the customer want from said project and we may not have ever known it. And we solve lots of problems with technology and we implement a technology and people go, this is hard. You've made my work more challenging. This is less impactful, right? And there's all this frustration. Over the years, I've rolled it back. And that's the equation that you've, you started with. People plus process times technology equals growth and scale. And we have to put all of those pieces together in the right order. The right people have to be doing the right work. We have to have processes that are effective and efficient. And then we can enable with technology. If we mess that up and we start with the technology, we make what I call super fast bad, right? If you're not in control of what you're doing and you do it faster with technology, you're going to get more bad results faster and everybody's going to be pissed off. So that's really part and parcel for every business, including a solopreneur, right? To understand who's doing what, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, and then leveraging technology to make it scale. So that was what was really important to me was to take away these items that I've learned in large spaces and give those tools and techniques to small businesses and smaller businesses so they don't have to invest in teams of experts. They don't have to invest in teams of consulting experts. My clients build self-reliance. They learn the skills and the capabilities to do for themselves. I love it. So, so let's, let's kind of break down maybe a, a case study. Let's say someone's listening right now and they're bootstrapping a, a business yeah. and they're having to work in the business, wear a lot of hats at the beginning. Maybe they're working 
you know, uh, in, in some form of the sales or the fulfillment or the, the lead generation uh, part of their business. And they're starting to grow that business. But like you point out, there are projects that they need to get to. And if they don't get to those projects, they're never going to actually be able to build a true business. It's just going to be almost a, you know, a really busy job that they have because they have to work in the business so much. So what are some of the keys you found to being able to, in those beginning stages where you're bootstrapping, still be able to build the project and still be able to pay the bills, keeping the business on track where you have to kind of work in it at the same time? How do you combine both of those things where you're keeping the business moving forward, but you know you've got to build these projects that are going to take it to the next level? And if you never build the projects, nothing is going to ever grow in that business. Right. Okay. So for many entrepreneurs, what I'm about to say is going to make their head explode because they are not structured. That's people. good. They're, they're visionaries, good. right? They want to be thinking and probably thinking and ideating more than actually doing. But in that beginning stage, it's really important to stop and plan what you're going to do. Time boxing is a really simple technique where you block out hours on your calendar throughout the week for different purposes. And as a solopreneur and as somebody who's starting to build and you're wearing the sales hat, the marketing hat, the operations hat, each of those hats needs dedicated time in the week to do things. And so it is an old technique. It is nothing revolutionary, but if you actually practice the discipline of time boxing, you're now in control of when and where you invest the one thing you can't get more of, time. Mm -hmm. So getting and taking that to, all right, we've got all these things going on and now we need a project. We have to execute, you know, we have to do something. So project is going to change what or how we're doing something. Planning is the fundamental tenant of project management. Quick lesson in how project management works. 60% of the time dedicated to the project is planning it. If you plan it well, you can then execute it effectively. So it is important in this day and age that we do things in small steps, but we have to have that time box around it or it will run indefinitely. So plan what you want to do, take small steps incremental pieces. Don't try to do everything all on Friday afternoon. Take an hour on Monday, an hour on Tuesday, and do specific tasks. At the end of the week, figure out what you accomplished and sit down and plan next week. What are the top three things you have to accomplish? When you get to next week and all of these other things start happening, you have to ask yourself, is this disruption helping me achieve one of those three things, or is it distracting me from the goal? Can it wait till next week? And be really, really stingy with your time. You choose how you use it. Don't let the noise tell you what to do. Guys, amazing value bombs that Lisa just dropped on us right there. And it comes down to how you use your time. And if you're not using a calendar app, is something as simple as a as a Google calendar, if your email set up through Google, that is so powerful. And I can remember when I actually started doing that, my productivity increased significantly. I was still able to work on the business in those bootstrapping phases. And then I blocked out the time to be able to work on those projects. And if you're bootstrapping and you're listening to this, maybe you have to do that 
a little bit outside of work hours for a little bit. Maybe you have to do that on a Saturday and those are the sacrifices required. And if you'll put that time in at the beginning, then you can set yourself up for a much better life, more productivity and actually working on the business instead of in it all the time. But if you don't have those time boxes, like Lisa's saying, it's not going to get done. And if you have a a time where you're trying to get it all done, then you used to be overwhelmed when you accomplish nothing. And I really like what, what she just said about, you know, you 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 get into it and you, instead of thinking and, you know, putting it together, the framework for how you're going to build out a project, which is, she says is 60% of the time, most of the time we spend 10% of the time and we do 90% building something that isn't built right, that isn't actually what our clients or team want and need. And so I think there's some really important concepts there and framework that she's sharing with you. Now, three of the things that you talk about, Lisa, in terms of challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs face is, you know, you've defined them as clarity, enablement, and performance. Unpack those uh, for us, if you would, so that we can kind of understand, identify them, you know, what are the actual challenges that we are often facing in these in these three uh, challenges? And then what do we need to pay attention to to overcome those and make progress? Yeah. And so I think you know, I, I've, I've dropped some breadcrumbs to these ideas through the things that we've been talking about. Oh, yeah. But that clarity, right, for the, for a visionary who's starting at the beginning, what is it you're going after? And one of the things, Leo, that you were talking about, you know, a, a moment ago is, you know, that the building phase, one of the key success components and, and clarity is so important here. What does our customer need? If there isn't an answer for that question, I would challenge, why are you building a business? If there's not somebody out there who's willing to pay for your product or service, it's really cool in your head and you think that it's going to revolutionize everything, but if nobody's willing to pay for it, what's the value? So starting at the beginning, putting the customer at the center of your universe and understanding how what you're going to do solves their problems and drives value to them lets you build your business on purpose with purpose. You have the intention and you know what the outcome is. Okay, so that enablement piece of all of this is then getting the right people doing the right work, leveraging technology to your strategic advantage so that you are very specifically with laser focus, building things that drive value for your customers and your potential customers. And at the end of that, right, when it's all coming together well, you're performing. So we have our people plus our process. We have technology. Now we can grow and scale. And it will be easier to take it from five people running a business to 50 people. We'll have roles and responsibilities and we'll know how to drive all of these things because at the beginning, we tracked and we started to understand who does what, how we do it, and how we do it the most efficiently. Those three things come together in lots of different ways, but at the end of the day, it's conceptually that simple. It's just a lot of hard work to get it done right. Mm. No question, guys. So starting with that clarity and understanding what is the problem you're solving for your dream customer client, who are you serving? And once you kind of have that foundation, then you can start to build out a team and systems and processes to fulfill on that mission. But if you don't have that clarity of who you're serving 
and the proof of concept that your product or service, there is a need for it in the market that people are willing to pay for it, then you're going to waste a lot of time. So sometimes I think there, there are kind of people in different camps here. There are people who, you know, they actually do have the clarity, but they keep on, you know, spending all these times trying to learn all these new skills and, and different things that actually aren't moving the needle and they just need to do more of the work build the team out, the system processes, culture to execute on that. And then at the other time, at the other level, there are people who are going through trying to do the work and just build and grow, but they don't quite have that clarity of who they're serving, the result that they're giving the customer and client, understanding their pain points and how they're solving them. It's kind of, it's kind of different camp. So it's it, one of the biggest things uh, that, I, that I've learned in entrepreneurship for 20 years is I was always looking for kind of that holy grail that, you know, that that special secret sauce silver bullet thing and at the end of the day it really is your business is always going to be different and unique to you and so if you're not understanding that the solutions the custom way to build things yeah there's going to be frameworks things you can learn skills you can learn but it has to be customized to your business and your clients. And no one's better positioned to do that than you. So you can be confident that if you're paying attention to those things, you can actually you know, create that. So as somebody is going through, they're building, bootstrapping the business, what are some of the key factors to building a high-performing team that can execute? And how important is it to understand that you may have to sacrifice some short-term cash flow for longer-term gains to build that team. Okay. So I'm going to start with, you were, you started before the question, I'll get to the question, but you were that secret oh, sauce, yeah. that right, that, that one thing that every, if every entrepreneur understood it, we would all be successful. I like to use the three-legged stool analogy. So a three-legged stool cannot stand on two legs. So if you mess with any one of those legs, you're toppling over. Um, the challenge yes. for each entrepreneur is understanding the three legs of their specific stool. I go people process technology. We can go, you can do it any different. There's a million ways that we can get that three-legged stool. But once you start to mess with one of those legs, right, you were wobbling and things are going to fall over. So is there a secret? Yes. A three-legged stool cannot stand on one or two legs. You just have to know what the three legs of your business are that, that are important. In terms of the question that you posed, um, how we start to make those decisions, right, is as an entrepreneur, as a leader, the first thing we have to do is lead with integrity, right? We have our vision. And as we're growing and building, if we aren't coming to the table with honesty, with integrity, with vulnerability, with being real, we're not going to have people who want to work for us. And that's that first critical piece. And we're also not going to have clients who want to stay with us long-term. Nobody wants to deal with the sleazy used car salesman ever, right? So we have to come to the table with integrity. And then we have to bring people to the table who will perform at that level with us. And finding the people who are going to truly be high performers, they're out there and they're hungry, they're humble, they're smart. You probably have heard those phrases before. That's Lencioni's idea, right? If you got those three things, you can do anything. Skills and capabilities can be taught. But if you have the people with the right mindset, you're set. But then you have to let them do. So when you're bootstrapping and you're doing everything, 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 you're doing it your way. Once you start building a team around you, they're going to want to do it 
differently. And as long as they're driving the right outcomes, you need to let them because nobody's a carbon copy of you. And to build and grow and scale, you have to be comfortable starting to let go. And that is a critical step in the growth of a business that kills many founders because they just can't let go. My way or the highway will not grow and scale ever. Outstanding. So in terms of the foundation, you talked about something super important. And for the audience listening, you guys know I've shared this before that my previous business, we grew really fast, zero to $5 million in 18 months, bootstrapped the whole way, brought on a bunch of employees. But the partners I brought in, we didn't define values and principles that we stood for, and, and it ruined and hurt our culture. And one of the top ones was just people not following through, especially my partners that I brought in. They didn't do what they say they were going to do. And so I'm hearing words that Lisa's sharing, like honesty, integrity, authenticity, and for sure doing what you say you're going to do and following through with the promises that you make. Nothing will kill a team and culture quicker then you making promises and not keeping them with your team, with your strategic partners or with your clients. And so it sounds like values and principles, a super important foundation that you have to build. And then once you build that, okay, great. Now we can start to grow and scale based on the decisions we make have to be aligned with those values and principles. And then at the same time as we're doing that, we have to understand that and one of the coolest things that that you can learn throughout this process is a lot of entrepreneurs, founders kind of have this idea, well, nobody can do it as well as I can. And one of the best things you'll learn is once you bring in quality people that are really good at whether it's marketing or sales or fulfillment or whatever it is in your business, you'll actually find people that do do it better than you. And they might have what Lisa's saying, better innovative ways to do it. It can't just be this stringent box that they have to follow your guidelines. If you you have some non-negotiables with the values and principles, but they're free to create better um, implementation and fulfillment methods, you're going to have a lot more success. And, and, and Lisa just said, you can't even begin to grow and scale until you let go and bring in the right people. Um, what are some of the decision-making processes to make sure you bring in the right people, Lisa? So right in the hiring process and finding the right people, you just talked a whole lot about it, Leo, right? What are what are the values that you align with for the business? What are your non-negotiables? And you know, how do you define accountability, right? Because that those things start to be the, the cornerstones of a relationship. And for any business growing, I think that accountability piece, say what you mean, do what you say, are, are it's the basic starting point. But when you're actually starting to hire for the first time, it's a little awkward for some people to actually consider people who don't actually agree with them directly, right? I don't want to be the smartest member of a team. I want to surround myself with people who know more, who have different experiences, who challenge the way that I think, challenge my experience and knowledge so that what we can get out of that interaction is exponentially greater than anything I could have ever created on my own. So it really is about being humble enough to put aside the entrepreneurial ego to hire people that you think are better than you are at those things. 
so, so very good. And so, you know, uh, you know, one of the great entrepreneurs out there, Mark Slimoni, always talks about people, processes. You have you kind of share in those being the two foundational items that you focus on. And then the third that you bring into this, I think this is so important that the two things I always talk about leveraging are a great team, you know, quality people in your organization. They, that gives you leverage. And the second piece of that is technology. I talk about that all the time. I find it fascinating that we but we kind of are in the same, uh, we're aligned with that ideology. So how do you implement technology once you kind of have some people, quality people, you got the right people on the bus, as Jim Collins would say, and the bus can turn and go different directions because you got the right people and you've defined these processes what does it look like to actually implement technology and how does that help you leverage exponential growth? Yeah. So um, fun, fun fact for you, Leo, the idea of people process and technology has been around since the 1960s. It was research that came out of Stanford that said, if you get these three components of a business working together, mm -hmm. you, your business will be successful. And yet we all still talk about it like it's a new idea. Don't tell. Um, in terms of how do we get the technology part playing for us, right? Once you have the people in the processes and you understand them, and I'm going to be really specific here by processes and being truly repeatable, that means they actually have to be documented some way. Doesn't have to be yes. fancy, right? But what I do has to be documented. So when I go on vacation, I can hand it off to Joe and Joe can do it. And if Joe's not there, Sally can do it right? It has to be repeatable. Um, if I win the lottery and, you know, ditch out the next day and nothing's documented, whatever I was doing wasn't a process. It was Lisa doing something. But if it's not repeatable, documented, and trainable to others, you're, you, you haven't solved that process part of that equation. When you have all of those pieces, there are so many pieces of software everywhere that help. And so there's two projects to implementing technology. First is understanding and defining what technology you need. What do you want it to do? What are you trying to automate? What are the gains you're trying to get from it? And you need to select the right vendor. So you have to do a vendor selection process and it's not, I promise you, it's not the first one that popped up as an ad on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> or LinkedIn. It is not the first one it's you not, see. Guys. I, right. We all live and die in our social media world, but that is not it. You need to test several and understand because every one of them has pluses and minuses and you have to decide for your business what you want to do. And so you have to test drive a few and then pick it, implement it and train your people, train them, train them, train them. And six months later, go back and retrain them again, because in that six months, your processes yes. will have evolved and changed and you need to continuously adapt your processes to the technology and your people to using the technology. Mm. Well said. So, so we're starting out here and, and kind of defining all of these important things to build and grow your business, take it to the next level. And so as you're implementing technology, the first thing she talked about is you have to have those systems and processes well-defined. I, I think a lot of the times we 
talk about SOP standard operating procedure for each department, each position, so that your team is clear on what they need to be doing, even including some of the things you're responsible for. When you have that, then the business continues to operate like a well-oiled machine. And, uh, and one of my mentors says, whenever you're looking at different technology vendors, minimum three estimates, minimum three different companies that you take a look at so that you make sure you're making the decision for the one that's going to work best for you and your business and deliver the most value at the best price, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not the first one you see in a Facebook or YouTube ad. That is so true and a huge value bond that Lisa just dropped for us. Well, Lisa, I think a lot of the audience at this point, as we uh, wind down this podcast, are thinking, wow, I've learned so much about people, processes, technology, overcoming some of these challenges in terms of clarity, enablement, performance, and building a true business that can actually grow and scale how can they, you know, connect with you, learn more about these frameworks and and what is it LQ Consulting, you know, can do to help these small business owners, you know, create an exponential growth business that is a business that runs without them. Absolutely. So the easiest way to find me is LinkedIn and it's Lisa L Levy. Okay. The website is lcubedconsulting.com or Lisa L. Levy, L-E-V as in Victor, Y.com. Easy, easy ways to find me. Lots of information on YouTube on the L-Cubed Consulting channel. So you can see and hear a lot about who we are, what we do, and how we do it. Um, there's a link on, on the website to schedule 30 minutes with me. It's also on my LinkedIn page. If you want to chat about where you're at and what you're doing, we do coaching with leaders we do consulting engagements and everything is more or less customized and bespoke to the needs of our clients. So while we have a secret sauce and we have a formula, how we implement it is entirely up to the needs and the of our of our client base. So mm. we don't do anything if it's not driving value to them and we have an exit strategy for every engagement because we want the business to stand on its own and be self-reliant without us. Mm. Beautifully said, guys. So go to LinkedIn, look up Lisa L. Levy, L-E-V-Y, connect with her on LinkedIn. You're going to be able to see some of her posts, some of the things she shares, uh, be able to really connect up. LinkedIn, as Gary Vaynerchuk says, the number one application for business owners and certainly one of the most underutilized. There's so much value in learning how to use LinkedIn. So look up Lisa L. Levy there. And then, of course, her website is L cubedconsulting.com. It's L cubed consulting. She is the author of the book Future Proofing Cube, which has a really cool uh, cube on the picture of the front of the book. So make sure you uh, check that out on her website. And the fact that you can actually, you know, speak with her and gain so much knowledge and experience and connect with her and her team and their customized programs to help you succeed as a business owner. Again, not a passive podcast. This is a podcast for action takers. So take action. Look her up, Lisa L. Levy on LinkedIn, and check out lcubedconsulting.com so you can kind of take that next step. And in terms of that final step, the final word of this show, Lisa, is yours. What is one thing that our listeners can do today to start future-proofing and creating a business that they absolutely love instead of one where sometimes it's kind of like how you and I were before we started our businesses where we dreaded coming into work 
that morning? What's something they can do today to get closer to the business they want to have? I talked about it earlier. The number one thing that we can do as leaders in building in, in building our business is every week have a priority, three things that we are going to accomplish, and then challenge everything that comes up in the course of the week against those three priorities. And if it doesn't measure, don't do it. Mm, outstanding. Three things. I like that. For me, for the entire year 2023, I have kind of three key focuses. I've got them on my whiteboard at my home office, in my, my office office here at, uh, at work. My team knows that those are our three focuses. And the same thing with your week. If you get micro goals, then you're going to get macro results as you execute on those. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.